It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. And welcome. We are here in a brand new episode of my weekly radio show, America WK. My name is Andrew WK. And it is essentially a miracle that I find myself here again with you. What is this that we do every week? What is this show? What is this time we have together? Of course, it can be summed up as talk radio, a talk show. People ask me to sum it up and describe it. I've struggled with doing that. It's not just because of the topics being rather far-ranging, sometimes even unfocused. It's because really what this show is, is anything and everything. It's not nothing. It's perhaps the opposite of a show about nothing. We're trying to take life apart, examine it, and then put it back together again. Perhaps put it back together again, at least in our minds or our spirits, in a way that makes more sense. Or in the process of taking it apart, getting to look at those pieces once they're deconstructed from different angles. Get a better look at them from a different point of view, different access to their inner workings because there seems to be something very familiar about the strange parts of life. The more mysterious life seems to be, the more it seems to make sense in a certain way, a way that we can't really always explain. We just can feel. We can sense this kind of clarity. And that's the type of clarity I'm trying to get to every week. One humble person trying to tear away at life with the hopes that actually we get to live more through that process. It is scary, in a way, tearing it down, ripping it to shreds, trying to dismantle this construction called being alive, but it's also very thrilling, and there's something that makes it a lot less frightening when I get to do it with you. When we get to go through this process together, we are really emboldened and comforted and able to find some type of security in the face of perhaps the most daunting insecurity of all this mystery of all things. Maybe that's why there are more than one of us in existence. Maybe that's why there's so many people sharing these same experiences so we can help each other go through them together and not help in terms of lending a helping hand, but, but just to know that you're not the only one going through it seems to be more helpful than any physical contribution anyone else could make. Helping hands are great when building a house. 
helping hands are very useful when you've fallen over and your body needs to be lifted back up. But when your spirit needs to be lifted back up, a helping hand needs to reach from some other place beyond the physical world. Can't come just from another body. Something has to reach into you through yourself, but from far outside of yourself at the same time. And knowing that you're not the only person going through that reaching somehow is very, very helpful. Suppose that's solidarity. Just to realize we're in it together is perhaps the definition of a type of transcendental comfort. Comfort that transcends all physical comfort. To know that you're not alone. I guess that's the ultimate comfort we're all searching for. And if we think about this higher power, just that there must be something more than we'll ever fully experience or know. And then even beyond that, there must be something more. This ever-increasing moreness has a type of presence to it which which almost ensures that we're not alone. That we are not the end of everything. That our experiences aren't the total experiences that are to be had. That there's always a beyond. And that should be encouraging. It sort of forces a type of optimism. Well, no matter what, I'm certainly glad that I'm not alone right now. I can tell you're there. If you weren't there, you wouldn't be able to hear any of this. There'd be no point for me to say it. I'm not just saying it to myself. I'm saying it, hopefully, for both of us. And I hope that you already all, already know all this. I hope that this is old hat in a way. But it doesn't hurt to hear it and to have it confirmed and to be reminded of it from time to time. Perhaps weekly. Perhaps daily. You know that old saying? I'm not sure if you've heard this. I've heard it quite a few times. Never trust a man or a person. Never trust a person who can't trust themselves with a beer. Never trust a person who can't trust themselves with a drink. Well, what about never trust a person who can't trust a person who can't trust themselves with a drink? Or what about never trust a person who can't trust a person who can't trust a person who can't trust themselves with a drink? Never trust a person who insists on making rules based on generalizations about other people's choices or behavior. Never trust a person who uses the word never when it comes to trusting a person who makes advanced judgments on how to trust someone before they've even displayed any reason to be trusted or not. Never trust a person who's going to decide whether they trust someone or not based on those criteria. Now, of course, I understand the idea of 
a grown adult being able to take care of themselves and modify their behavior and uh, try things that may challenge their judgment, such as beer or alcohol. And if they're not mature enough or strong enough to do that, then they can't be trusted. Well, of course, there's some sense in that, I suppose. But this entire line of reasoning, and and I'm not picking this out just because of uh, alcohol, this generalization, this kind of game-style rule book way of looking at the world about how you think of certain people, about how you make decisions, about how you approach the world, especially when it comes to humans, seems very problematic to me. And it's not just because it involves perhaps stereotyping or prejudice, but it, it, it limits the opportunities in life. It limits the chances for us to be proven wrong in wonderful ways. It limits our exposure to totally different avenues of possibility and opportunity. So I would say try to not make these kind of rules when it comes to people. Because people are too complex. You can make them when it comes to weather. You can make them when it comes to directions when you're driving. You can make them when it comes to certain things with schedules and time, material objects, but not with other souls. Because people deserve more than that. It's America WK. We're all over the map today, as is often the case, but that's okay. Stay with me. I'm very excited to continue talking about life and death. I'll be right back. America WK with Andrew WK, the undisputed king of partying. On the Blaze Radio Network! Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. What is the difference between what you're eating now versus what you ate 40 years ago? It's more mass-produced crap that they put in the food so it'll stay on the shelf longer so Unilever and these other companies can make even more money. We have to go back to eating fruits and vegetables in this stuff. And I don't need the federal government under the guise of protecting public health screwing with us on this stuff. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. During that last break, I was sitting here with waves of roiling frustration cascading over my whole body. Uh, made me want to punch my fist through a wall because I'm not happy with how that last segment went. But this is okay. In fact, this is a, a wonderful thing because I don't think that being critical of oneself or even what we might call uh, being too hard on yourself, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. 
not only because it shows uh, care and concern for what you're involved in, but because if anyone was going to be hard on you, you're the best person to, to be so. Because you actually have the most insight and simultaneously have a way to apply that insight immediately. The key is when that frustration builds up to not waste it by punching your fist through a wall or some other, I guess, uh, destructive or wasteful use of that energy. Because it is energy. I mean, it is like raw electricity surging through your body. I'm sure you're familiar with this. You can feel like you can jump over a building. It sort of must be like what it feels like to be Superman in reverse. You have all these powers. When I feel very frustrated, in a way, I do feel like I can fly. But sort of like a a bad kind of flying, if there was such a thing. A flying powered by anger. And, and just raw anger. Anger that can't particularly be described. Frustration is this incredible tension, this this friction of confusion and rage and inability, all scrunching up and twisting and scratching against each other like uh, an earthquake, like tectonic plates uh, of sandpaper crusting over each other. But just like in an earthquake, there's an extraordinary amount of energy there. I mean, we've heard these figures thrown around about how even a small earthquake releases the equivalent of many, 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 many nuclear bombs. Well, that's that frustration feeling. That's that being hard on oneself feeling. That's that pure rage at existence in that moment. And if you can direct that, if you can grab hold of that and push it towards something useful, something beneficial, something that brings out the best in your abilities, holy smokes, you really can do anything. In fact, I would say that for my experiences personally, a lot of times when I was able to work my hardest or do my best, there was a core of frustration that I was pulling energy from. And at times, even trying to maintain I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want to let go of some of the those bad feelings in a way because those bad feelings, I was transforming them into this unlimited strength, this real stamina, a kind of motivation that at, at times at least far surpassed what I might think of as a positive motivating force but that's just the thing energy at its core and i'm talking about physical energy the energy that allows your body to go and complete tasks the energy that allows you to take action 
that takes a thought and actually turns it into something tangible and concrete in the world around you, that energy really can't necessarily be positive or negative all the time. Sometimes it just is. It just is power, and it can be put to good use or bad use. Just like we know that the energy from the sun is what's allowing any of this that we experience here on Earth to exist at all. It's powering the whole thing. But, of course, that energy could also give you skin cancer. If you get too close to the sun, of course, you fry up instantly. So don't try to squash or stamp out that kind of frustration, that kind of rage. Try to redirect it into something useful. In fact, your your body, your spirit, it might be trying to conjure up some kind of energy any way it can get it. And if it can't get it through what we might think of as happy, cheerful, fun-loving stuff, maybe it has to come from the darker side. But if you put that darker energy to good use, it's not dark energy. Or even if it is, it doesn't mean it has to be used for that. Because I think everybody has good and bad in them, or the potential for good or bad things. And of course, it gets hard to even decide what is good and what is bad at times. It can get very tricky. But anytime you have any kind of clarity, you can take that frustration. And again, a really simple way for me is there's times when I really just feel like stomping my feet and, and, and slamming my arms into my own legs, just exploding with physical aggression towards nothing, towards no one in particular, just into the air around me. But if you take that same force and put it towards, I don't know, getting those few errands done that you've been putting off for a few weeks or uh, cleaning up that room that was supposed to be clean many months ago or unpacking that box that's still packed from your move three years ago or writing that letter that you were meant to write. I mean, anything that you've been procrastinating about, that's an incredible Incredible momentum to harness. And then the next level, of course, I mean, talk about putting that energy, that physical energy. That's the best way to, to, to get in shape, to, to exercise. I mean, we've talked about that before, and that, that continues to be, for me, an incredible, pure, very direct way to channel bad energy into a good outcome. If I'm feeling angry, just go and lift weights. It's amazing because you're instantly taking that raw energy that maybe initially conjured itself up as anger, as rage, as frustration, as even violence. And whatever that particular situation might be that inflamed those feelings, the weight in your hands becomes that. You take that situation and you put it into the weight. You put it into that bar. You put it into that machine. I don't even care if you're running on a treadmill. That treadmill becomes that bad situation, that source of anger. And all of a sudden, rather than punching a wall, you're pushing all of that through this machine. And then, magically, it's actually making you 
better, physically better. You can tell, you can feel it happening. You can feel almost like magic. It's America WK. A party for being alive. This is America WK. With Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. It started with Trey Gowdy's opening statement, and I am now a member of a cult. I'm a member of the Trey Gowdy worshiping cult. If they needed someone on a muddy road to lie down in front of the tires of the truck carrying the candidate, I would jump out and lie down in front of the tires for traction. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. We've been talking about taking frustration and trying to use it for something good, something beneficial. I've been feeling very frustrated. I just spent the last break here taking my right hand, balling it up into a fist, and punching it. Not as hard as I could, but I'd say about half as hard as I could, 50% power, into the cradled palm of my left hand. Did this feel good? No, not particularly. And now I'm uh, drenched in sweat. I've been drenched in sweat since this show started today. Uh, I don't know if you have this problem. It does seem to be... One or the other. People are either always cold or always overheated. I have always been overheated, and it's very uncomfortable. Now, when I'm in this state of overheating, any kind of frustration, any type of uh, additional irritant just seems to increase the sweatiness, the, uh, the, 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 the clothes clinging to the body, I mean, right now, I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and it's not particular. No, no socks, no shoes. It's not particularly warm outside. I don't even feel very warm in this room. I can tell that the, it's not a warm room, yet I am overheated. I've heard people say that this is a, the, the, a fiery type of disposition. Some people have a, a water type. Some people have a fire type. Some people have an air type uh, or an earth type. Uh, that's all fine and good. Uh, as you could probably tell, I'm not very well educated in a lot of these traditional spiritual uh, explanations for, I guess, the body and life experiences. I'm trying to figure this stuff out as I go along. Not always uh, getting anywhere with it, but still trying. And I've definitely found that I'm just someone who is always uh, sweaty. Just can't, I cannot have uh, blankets on uh, in the bed. No covers. I prefer to have a fan on at all times or air conditioning on at all times. And I'm not happy about any of these things. I mean, when I start playing a concert, if I'm doing one of my rock and roll shows, 
within the first half of the first song. And it's a short song. Usually we start often with a song that is no longer than two minutes just to kick off our show. And I'm usually drenched just by that. And I, 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 I watch videos sometimes of our performances trying to figure out why, I mean, where this exertion is coming from. Of course, it's a very physical show, but I wouldn't expect to be that soaking wet that quickly because I've definitely also watched other performers that are even more physical, even higher energy, and they don't seem to be sweating. I wonder how people do this all the time. I see businessmen walking around in full suit and tie in the summer on the city streets, and they don't seem to be sweating at all. I don't know how they can possibly do that. Now, maybe... Of course, it could be, again, just some kind of inborn disposition that your body's able to adjust or just happens to be cool or hot. I have met people that just don't seem to have this problem one way or the other. They're not too hot or too cold. They're just fine. They're just comfortable. But right now, I mean, I've been sweaty all day, all day, even in rooms that I say, okay, this is a nice, cool room. It's not particularly humid either. You could say, oh, well, maybe it's just... The humidity is very high. Has it been raining lately? No, it has not been. Not where I am. It's just, uh, I feel like it might be connected to this same type of surging, roiling energy. Like a fire inside. Like an engine running. It's very hot. I think there's been a, a type of inflamed energy in me for as long as I can remember. And I am very thankful for it. I mean, being sweaty and physically uncomfortable for most of the day is a small price to pay to have this kind of energy because it's allowed anything good or worthwhile I've ever done has been because of that. And sometimes, again, the energy uh, feels very hostile, even violent or, or, or... just very, very, very nasty. And other times it seems to emanate from a, a naturally good, loving place. But most of the time I can't really put it in the category. It's just this surge, this, this ball of power. And maybe that's why I'm always sweaty. If, you, if you're always sweaty and you have some type of trick to deal with this i would love to hear it it's something that is i don't want to say it's plagued me my whole life but it hasn't seemed to be getting any better uh and maybe it's really not a a big problem i primarily am more concerned about the people around me uh the smell i can only imagine maybe I, i i it's hard to know if you smell to other people i think you tend to not be able to smell yourself all that easily, maybe because you get so used to it. And what a strange thing, too. Have you noticed this? I can never necessarily smell my uh, sort of surrounding atmospheric odor. But if I smell my own saliva, it smells terrible. Yet, if someone else smells my own saliva, they can't smell it at all. Yet, they can smell my body very easily. Have you noticed this? I'm, I'm drawing on intimate experiences here. And forgive me if this is 
too intimate. I, I don't. There's no need to be very graphic. But there's been times when I've been with a woman and uh, she said I smelled like I needed to take a shower, which, of course, I then did. I said, oh, I'm very sorry. I didn't realize that I, I smelled perhaps so strongly or so bad. You know, it was rather embarrassing. I'm not happy about this. And then maybe during our intimate experiences, there was some situation in which uh, I smelled my own saliva and it smelled terrible, very strong, very pungent, very bad. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. My spit smells terrible. Do you smell that? And she said, no, I can't smell that at all. Yet, yet, she could smell her own spit. And it smelled very bad to her, yet I couldn't smell hers. What does all this mean? Absolutely nothing. There were so many things I've been taking notes on leading up to today's episode. And as usual, I've already bypassed most of them because I got so frustrated. So I just decided to talk about that, almost because I felt I couldn't talk about anything else unless I dealt with this frustration. And now, having talked about it, I'm even more frustrated. Have you ever noticed that? The more that you try to deal with the frustration, the more frustrated you get, and then you become frustrated because you're frustrated, and then you get frustrated at the fact that you're frustrated about being frustrated, and it just doubles, and it doubles, and it doubles. But hey, I mean, we're, 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 we're conjuring up energy here. I mean, if I can get that frustrated about being frustrated, I just doubled the energy resource with a snap of my fingers. I'm a ball of rage right now. It's America WK. Please don't go away. I have no idea what's going on. There's just a lot of frustration. Be right back. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. There are sadistic and psychopathic killers who are gathering together inside of Syria, inside of Iraq, and in other places around the world, whose greatest hope, whose greatest aspiration, as stated by them, is to hit us so badly that we never really recover. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. The undisputed king of partying invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. My name is Andrew WK. I've been very frustrated this entire episode so far, and I'm still frustrated. I'm even more frustrated now because I didn't get to talk yet about what I wanted to really talk to you about on today's episode because I've just been talking about frustration, but that's okay because... What a valuable little insight I've gained, at least. Because for most of my life, I tried to not be frustrated. Even during this show, as I've been getting more and more frustrated, sweating more and more, my, my underwear clinging like saran wrap to my cold and clammy legs. I mean, I, I'm nauseous just thinking about the, the, the cold, clammy palms 
I'm feeling my knees right now. They feel like uh, I don't know, like the like the underbelly of a salmon fish if you sliced off its skin and felt the smooth inner 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 side that's wet and slimy. It's not a pleasant feeling. But for for so long, I always try to avoid these feelings or, or feel bad about them. Feel bad about feeling bad, basically. And that didn't help. Then it just made it worse. It never occurred to me until very recently. In fact, some of these things, as usual, didn't occur to me ever until just now talking with you. That maybe frustration isn't bad at all. Maybe it's your own body, your own spirit trying to tell you something or trying to give you the power to do something else. Or maybe we don't even need to explain it or know exactly why it's happening, but that we can use it when it does arise. So I'm going to try to not let go of the frustration. I'm going to try to put it to good use. I think so many of us myself included, for so long, have spent so much energy, so much time, put so much effort in trying to become serene, trying to become calm, trying to let go of what we think of as bad feelings, trying to let go of what we call stress and anxiety, and in my case, with the show today, frustration, trying to recreate this idealized version of a perfect, peaceful person that we imagine in our heads who goes throughout their day in this kind of quiet, contemplative state and doesn't react to anything, just sort of flows along in a quiet, almost uh, whispering way. Well, maybe that's not what life is supposed to be at all. In fact, the amount of energy that is spent trying to reduce your energy could be spent doing all kinds of other things. When did we ever get it in our minds that we're not supposed to use these powers when they arise, that we're supposed to try to squash them, that we're supposed to try to throw them away, that we're supposed to be sitting around like a, I don't know, I was going to say like a little lamb, but lambs are very rambunctious. I just saw one at a petting zoo the other day, bounding around and flourishing, uh, frolicking, fancy-free, going buck-wild, really, and bucking its head around and, 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 and really hopping, using all four legs to hop about. This lamb was, the last thing I would describe this lamb as was serene. There was a, a joyful serenity in its chaotic, energized bounding, But it was not calm by any sense of the word. So let's embrace what we think of as these flaws. Let's embrace these states and and, and stop trying to define them as bad. And certainly stop trying to put so much energy and and, and money trying to, to fix ourselves. Well, we could just be using this energy. We end up using all this energy, all this frustration, all this amazing power. We end up using it, spending it, trying to get rid of it, rather than harnessing it and actually directing it towards something. You, we, we can push ourselves and be driven by all sorts of powers, all kinds of reasons. 
And these quote-unquote bad feelings are no different. I think realizing that it's all just one source of motivation. It's all just one kind of energy. But don't feel bad about having feelings. Don't feel like you're somehow lower, less enlightened, less advanced, less spiritual, less intelligent, less refined. It's all nonsense. The mastery is in putting it to use, harnessing it, getting control over it, directing it, not in eliminating it. The point of life isn't to sit around being calm anyway. The point of life is to become as strong as possible and to have an adventure that means something. To find out what that meaning is by living it, not by escaping it, by trying to make life as as plain and uneventful as possible. It's all worth using. Don't lose it. And certainly, certainly, certainly don't feel frustrated about these feelings. And if you do, just be glad. That's free energy, free power. Is it possible to burn out from doing this? Perhaps. But again, I'd rather burn out than fade away sitting in a half-awake state doing nothing. It's America WK. My name is Andrew WK. I have a whole bunch more things I want to talk to you about. If I can just harness my frustration now and get into them. I still want to talk about death again. Something that uh, we've talked about before, but I have a particular idea. Stay with me. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Patents Stew. Barack Obama has said Second Amendment abolitionists, abolitionists, absolutionists, Second Amendment absolutists, absolutists. <laughs> I'll get the word eventually. <laughs> Second Amendment absolutists think gun control is a plot by me to stay in power forever. No. Uh, no. Pat and Stew, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. It's time to party. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. We're back on America WK. I've just spent the last break with my fists balled up, tensing every single muscle in my entire body as hard as I can, biting my teeth together without grinding, mind you, clenching my jaw, clenching my soul in a type of blind rage. That's, that's just the truth. This, this is a feeling that sometimes happens. It sometimes comes over me. I don't know what to do about it most of the time except just not stop. Just not stop. I may feel 
that in the midst of whatever it is I'm doing, like this show, that it's that it's all just terrible. That it's all going terribly. But I cannot stop. That is the promise that I made to myself. If we could just all promise ourselves to not give up, then you eliminate the possibility of those overwhelming feelings, some of them bad, taking you down and out. They may challenge you. They may torment you. But they're not going to break you. They're not going to stop you because you made a promise to yourself to never give up. To never give in. To never give out. Just to keep on giving. One way or another. Even if it's just in micro, tiny, small segments of a segment. A piece of a piece. Somehow moving forward, even if it's just a fraction, fraction, fraction of a infinitesimally small amount. Just do not quit. And the best way to make that promise mean something is to look at it as a mission, that you're on a mission, something bigger than you, a cause. What's your cause? What is your mission? It really helps if it's not just your own pursuit. It's somehow a pursuit that you're a part of, you're contributing to. And you make a promise to yourself through that mission, through that cause, for that cause. It can be something big, it can be something small. You can have many different missions that can change. You can complete one and begin another one. But the ultimate mission of life, the cause of making the most out of this gift of life that you maybe never asked to receive, but were given nonetheless to make it count for something. Even the most pessimistic and cynical person usually tries to be worthy of having the chance to live. There's many ways to see that through. It's for each one of us to decide. Thinking about that, this idea of doing something with life, because that's got to be what it's for, if it's for anything, to use it to do something. And I don't mean do in terms of just actions and achievements, but to have it all amount to some type of meaning for yourself to add up to something. Even if it's just a series of lessons, perhaps that's the whole point anyway. And since it's all just hurling towards death, the ultimate unknown event, or the one event that we know will happen, but we just don't know what happens when it does happen. Since we don't know Really, what happens when you die? Now, again, there's going to be people that say, oh, well, I know exactly what happens. You, your, your, your brain turns off and you just rot away. Well, considering the fact that they haven't died and can't tell us that from personal experience, that's just one other theory. It's just a theory. All ideas about death are just a theory unless you've gone through it and then 
Odds are you can't be around to talk about it unless you're a ghost. And there may be ghosts around. And if there's anyone to listen to when it comes to death, that would be a person to, or uh, an entity to pay attention to, but also perhaps to be wary of. So if we don't really know what happens when you die, then maybe all death is, maybe all it's for, is to give us insight into life. To make living mean something more. Or maybe since we don't know what happens at death and we get to basically have whatever theory we want about death, why not make a theory or develop a belief about death that makes life more meaningful? Think about death in a way that makes being alive better. Have an idea about death that empowers life. Now, we know one very common way of looking at death is that it's not the end at all. That death isn't really a death in the way that we normally think of dying. It's some sort of transition. It could be the beginning of a new life. Now, this is a very controversial theory. For some reason, some people really want death to be the end. That could be because they think that is the more rational, logical way to approach it. But again, if we really have no idea what happens at death, why be so excited to adhere to this idea of finality with death? Why not entertain with a little more openness the idea of it being some kind of transition or even a rebirth because if it really is the end then what is the point of anything what does it all mean if nothing we do can be reflected upon or add up to anything after death except to maybe influence or impact other people that are still alive but of course they're going to die and that'll be the end of them, nothing remains. Now, that could, in fact, be what happens. It all could just go away. Everything's gone before it's even begun. But since we don't 100% absolutely know, why not go with this other theory? That you're reborn that you're reincarnated, that you move into a different area where you retain your experiences. You get to keep some version of your memories. You may even get to continue your same life or same version of your, your mind or consciousness somehow. I mean, they don't know where mind even comes from. We don't know. So how can we possibly think we understand what happens at death? It seems obvious to think that your mind somehow is coming from your brain, but guess what? We actually don't really know that. Maybe mind is coming from the whole body. The idea of thinking seems like it would come out of your brain, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's not even located in your body at all. What if the mind didn't even exist in your body at all? It was somewhere completely detached from it. Maybe... It's located in the same realm where death is located. These ideas start to seem a little absurd. They start to sound a little trippy. 
but there's no reason not to entertain them. In fact, there's a kind of natural quality to some of these ideas that seem sort of obvious even in their otherworldly strangeness. There's something very logical about the idea that you don't die at death, or you don't end at death. There seems to be something very logical to think that your mind somehow doesn't exist just in your body. It seems sort of like what a child might think, and a child would have just emerged from wherever this space is. So maybe they have an insight there that we have forgotten about or thought our way out of over these years of living. It's America WK. I will be right back. Thank you so much. This is America WK with your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. One of the defining characteristics of the American left is a complete, not just a lack of moral clarity, but an intentional destruction of moral clarity. It's not just that they don't understand what is more and what is not. They want to make sure that nobody else can tell either or that people lose their basic moral compass because then it's, of course, easier to control you. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Okay, welcome back to America WK. It's Andrew WK. We were just talking about death. And to put it as simply as I can, because no one really knows exactly what happens at the moment of death. There's many material materialistic points of view that explain the biology of it. But in terms of what the experience feels like and what it means, we just don't know. So perhaps that's how it's meant to be, that not knowing is an opportunity for us to decide, each of us individually, of what to make of death so that it makes our life mean more. Since we don't know what happens... We can think of death in a way that adds the most meaning to life. That's it. Whatever way you want and whatever way I want to think about it. And you can change your mind to stay engaged and to stay thoughtful about it. it may take some courage and some perseverance, but ultimately it cannot help but to make life more meaningful. Holy smokes. I just spent the last break there. Well, I spent the previous break with every muscle in my body tensed out of frustration and and rage. Before that, I had uh, punched my own fist into my own palm out of frustration and rage. And this last break, I spent with my eyes closed, squeezed, 
closed as tight as I possibly could. I suppose while also holding my breath, I didn't really realize I had been until now, just out of pure frustration and rage. That's just how this show has been going. I don't know what to say. Of course, I thought about not mentioning at all, and perhaps that would have been the more professional thing to do, just not talk about this at all. I don't want it to get boring. It might be far past that point at this point. But I figured uh, hopefully you would relate to these feelings. It's, uh, It's something that human beings have the capacity for, a large capacity for anger and frustration and rage, these free-floating kinds of energy. And man, I've been feeling it like this real strong right now. I feel like I could push a building over. I feel like, uh, like I could dig through the earth and come out the other side and still be frustrated. Because I'd think, why did I just bother digging through the earth for nothing? Well, I suppose that it could be useful in some way. I mean, probably a, a good travel route. It'd be very hot, very uncomfortable. I'm still in a cold sweat here. It's all a test. It's all a series of little and not so little tests to see if we're strong enough. And that's one way to look at life. When I've been feeling frustrated like this, or scared, or depressed, or just completely overwhelmed, I say, oh, it's another test. Sometimes the test is very specific to see how patient and calm I can be in line somewhere to see how resilient I can be when faced with daunting or troubling circumstances or obstacles, to see how forgiving and compassionate and empathetic you can be when trying to deal with someone else's situation in a thoughtful and kind way. It's a test. Do you have what it takes? I'll tell you, very few things have been as instantly helpful to me than that mindset. Because in a way, it distances these experiences that we're having in day-to-day life. Distances them not in a way that necessarily lowers their intensity or makes them seem sort of trivial. But again, like we were talking about at the very beginning of this episode, it allows us to examine them in a way that provides insight. If all of a sudden this overwhelming, frustrating, scary, or otherwise daunting experience is thought of as a test, then suddenly there's meaning to it. There's value to it. And there's a challenge there that can pull the best out of us. 
If I feel like it's a test, then I, I want to pass the test. I want to see if I do have what it takes. I'm going to give everything I can to develop what I need to get through the test, to beat the test, to ace the test. Most of the time, these tests are just about going through it and coming out the other side. That's all you have to do. Just not succumb, not give up. Next time you're in some kind of situation like that, remember it's all a test. Oh, here's another test. Am I strong enough? Am I a strong enough person to get through this test today of life? And again, you can usually find a pretty clear path that will get you through that test once you've pulled back enough to see it as a little test or as a very big test. Not all these tests are a five-minute experience. Some of them could be a five-year experience with many tests within that. I mean, all of life is one big test to see if you can grow to become strong enough to go on to whatever happens after it. I mean, going back to death, that's why if you just die at the end, then what was the point of the whole thing? You're trying to build something to take with you to the next realm, to the the next level. And again, it could be a level that we just can't even conceive of, that, that really doesn't have any relation to what we think of as existence now. But I wouldn't be surprised if after death or through death, you come out in some other version of yourself and you think, boy, oh boy, am I sure glad that I accumulated that experience in whatever that was, that all that was leading up to something. I guess that's, that's the sensation that seems so natural. That's this quality that life has. This, this, there's a propulsive momentum that you're hurtling towards something, and it doesn't make any sense, it seems, in a way, that you'd be hurtling towards a, uh, to nothing. There's this beautiful momentum, this inertia, that this is all going somewhere. And it's not to nowhere. It's some place, something, something significant. It's America WK. I can't thank you enough. Please stay. Don't go away. I'm Andrew WK. I'll be right back. This is America WK, hosted by your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. I don't care who you are. I don't care how tough your society is, how much oppression you've lived under, how unfair it is to your glorious, wonderful people and your sense of self and your religion and the caliphate and whatever. A man doesn't attack a 14-year-old girl under any circumstances ever, ever, ever. When he does so, he ceases to be a man. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network.
listening to America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. I'm Andrew WK. During that last break, it's the first break during this episode where I was not engaged in some sort of physical fit of frustration. Just didn't happen that time. So perhaps that energy is passed through me now. Sort of just feel dilapidated at this point. A little embarrassed perhaps as well. But it made me think as well, it made me think that it's not bad to go through these things. These, these, these shortcomings that we think we have are not mistakes in the same way that we traditionally think of mistakes or sins. And it's not even that they're unforgivable. Of course, they're forgivable. They're there to challenge us. The only real mistake or perhaps unforgivable sin would be giving up, would be quitting, would be to finally not care at all. And I don't mean not care in an empowering way that sets yourself free, but not caring about life, not caring about your chance to be here. Truly throwing away the opportunity to be all that you can become. That seems like the only real full-blown mistake that I think someone could make. I think it's almost impossible to do that. There's something inherent about being a human that seems to intertwine your very survival with caring, with not quitting, even if it's just clinging to life in the most basic sense. Trying to find food, trying to find shelter. Now, and this is not to say that someone who ends their life has quit or stopped caring. I'm saying that as long as you are alive, that you somehow continue to care. Suppose it's different for everybody. That was always the one thing I could fall back on, no matter how bad I felt. And it's not like I have any reason to feel this bad. That's one of the most puzzling things about these feelings. They're not justified. And you almost wonder if you did have reason to feel bad or what you thought of as good reason, like something truly horrible and unfair. Would you feel like this? Sometimes you almost feel like if something really bad did happen to you, you wouldn't feel bad at all in some strange way. Almost as though the the better things are in one way, the worse you feel. But I think one way or another, these feelings are going to come. No matter how good someone's life may be, no matter how good you think someone else has it, oh, they shouldn't feel those feelings. It's something about being human. This full spectrum of emotions, of thoughts, of reactions, of sensations. 
they're meant to be felt for some very particular reason. It must be because they complete us. They make us a full being. They bring out all that we have. And again, if we can, through commitment and through some kind of discipline, some kind of determination, if we can use all those feelings in some way towards life, then really there's no bad feeling at all. It's all in how we use it. That makes me think about uh, jealousy or envy. Envy, I suppose, is the better word. So much of our time, or at least I have felt this way, and perhaps you have too, just thinking about other people's situations. Sort of, oh, it must be nice to have this or that, or not have to deal with this or that. Sure must be nice to have a life that consists of this or that. And yet we've seen that so many people that we would imagine to have no reason to be sad or frustrated or feel any of these other quote-unquote bad feelings feel all of them too, sometimes even more so. We envy someone's situation from a distance, and yet if we traded places with them and really thought about what it would entail to completely trade places with them, we wouldn't want it at all. We use this idea of being someone else as a way to distance ourselves from our own life, perhaps in a a beneficial way at times to get a different perspective, perhaps just for fun just to imagine what someone else is living. But we must be very careful about this. This envy, this fantasizing about being someone else. I remember hearing the difference between envy and jealousy put very well through an example that basically said, I believe this is correct, That envy is when the little sister sees the big sister who is tall enough, able to reach up on top of the counter in the kitchen and take a cookie out of the cookie jar. And that envy, to be able to be tall like the big sister, might even motivate the little sister to come up with some kind of uh, technique, some ingenuity where she goes and gets a chair or a box and steps on it and figures out a way to get that cookie. Some sort of desire there, seeing what someone else is doing and using her own creativity, her own energy to come up with a, a solution. Jealousy on the other hand, is that little sister seeing the big sister able to reach the cookie jar. And the little sister then uses her ingenuity to push the big sister over so she can't get a cookie at all. So I don't know if either of these feelings necessarily is what we call a good feeling. But again, we're trying to move away from that 
They all have value. But one of these versions of the same feeling can motivate you to push past what seem to be your limits. And perhaps the lesser application of that same initial feeling would cause you to lash out at the other person to stop them and to bring them down to your level. You can either pull yourself up, raise yourself higher, or pull others down. I always thought that was a good a good way to test my own feelings. If I'm, if I'm feeling jealousy or envy towards someone or something, is it going to bring the best out of me to get that, or do I want to just bring the other person down to how I'm feeling? I'm feeling something right now. I'm not sure what it is. It's America WK. That's what. Andrew WK. Be right back. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stu. Hillary is sounding off again, and, and seriously, she shouldn't. She should just keep her mouth shut. <laughs> Frankly, just be quiet. Why? Because she's a woman? Just be quiet. Mm-hmm. Because she's, she's a stupid. woman? Because mm-hmm. she's stupid. Did you hear that? <laughs> she's an awful <laughs> woman. Wow. It's not because she's a woman. It has nothing to do with that. Why? Because of, uh, of her body parts being different than yours? No, that's not why. I just <laughs> yeah. said that wasn't why. Yeah. Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Now, the king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. If you've been with me since the beginning of this show, then I feel like you have been through hell and back. You've gone into a labyrinth, a torturous maze, and you are nearly at the exit, which is also the entrance. Holy smokes, I saw an old interview with a, a great entertainer. And they asked they asked him uh, if he liked doing what he does, essentially. And he said, no. They said, you don't like doing it. He said, no. They said, then why do you do it? And he said, because I don't like it. And I thought that pretty much summed up a lot of the way I felt about a lot of things in life. So strange that you find yourself time and time again drawn to certain activities, certain pursuits that on one level you don't particularly like doing. Meaning... I used to go to swim meets a lot. I was on the swim team. We went to go to swim practice early in the morning before school, 5 a.m. Practice for two or three hours, then go to school, then practice on the swim team again after school. Practice all through the summer. Practice in the winter, indoors. And I didn't like swimming. Not that much. I mean, there were certain things I liked about it. I liked sort of the strange isolation that is when you're underwater and, of course, the therapeutic benefits of exercise and all that. And there was some fun that we had as a team from time to time 
although I felt like many of the team members were not very kind people and not very enjoyable to be around, at least for me. But I didn't take it that personally. It was just that era, that phase of high school, I suppose. But even in the worst moments of that swim team, this thing that I really didn't like to do, meaning if someone said, do you want to get up right now at 4 a.m. and go to swim practice? I'd say, no, of course not. And they said, okay, well, good, because I can cancel swim practice, and then you won't have to go. I say, no, 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 don't do that. I don't want you to cancel it. And they would say, well, I thought you just said you didn't like it. Why wouldn't you want it canceled? And I wouldn't be able to answer that. But for some reason, this thing that I didn't like doing, I wanted to do. I liked doing this thing I didn't like. Doesn't make much sense. Even more so with something like piano lessons. Practicing piano. Doing scales for two hours a day. And very tedious sight reading. Uh, For me, it was very torturous having to learn certain piano pieces. It was not my strength or skill. I liked playing piano, but learning piano I did not like. Yet, if someone told me, okay, well, you could just not go to piano lessons anymore. You can just quit. You don't like it. Well, yes, I don't like that, but I don't want to not do it. But why would you not want to do it if you just said you didn't like it? I don't know. I just, I want to do it because I don't like it. There are these moments when you are compelled to do things that defy your own logic, that defy your own taste, that defy defy your own preferences. You wind up doing things that you don't like to do, and yet you like doing them almost because of it. Is this somehow masochistic, sort of self-inflicted pain and torment? Are you being self-destructive? Or are you succumbing to a deeper understanding of what you're meant to do? whether you like it or not. And that deep down inside, you like doing the things that you're meant to do, even when you don't like doing them or don't feel like doing them or don't enjoy them in the same way as you might enjoy just laying on the couch all day. I sure would like to lay on the couch all day, but I don't do the things that I like to do. (laughs) And maybe that's a good lesson to end this episode on a good mindset that it's okay to not like doing something and to still do it because deep, 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 deep down inside where most things count on that true core level, we know that we're supposed to try to uh, amplify that uh, clarity Focus in on that. Clear the way to hear that voice as much as possible. Follow where it tells you to go, even when it's not fun or enjoyable, even when it's very, very hard. Because as we know, life isn't always about having fun. 
in the way that we think we want to have fun, sometimes the most fun thing in the world is doing things in life that aren't fun. This doesn't make sense to me, yet it explains the way I felt through much of this episode. And I cannot thank you enough. I truly cannot. I could I, Actually, I could have spent the entire episode saying thank you for being with me here, and it still wouldn't have been adequate to express my gratitude. Really cannot thank you enough. Stay strong. Keep doing what you're doing. Remember, it's all a test, and you have the strength to pass it. I love you. Goodbye. A party for being alive. This is America WK. With Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network.